Avian biologists who specialize in habitat management tend to approach conservation via biomes or specific habitats, making the obvious and valid assumption that protection of each kind of habitat will help the species in it. When dealing with an endangered grassland bird, they of course prioritize grassland restoration, which they measure by plant community composition. But other issues are also critical for grassland birds. The healthier a grassland is, the more grassland sparrows, meadowlarks, bobolinks, upland sandpipers, northern harriers, and short-eared owls will use it for nesting. But when landowners mow in late spring and early summer, they destroy every egg and nestling on that field. When driving through northern Wisconsin in June and early July, I know exactly which pastures have just been mowed because gulls and crows comb through them, devouring so many tiny mangled bodies. In 101 Ways to Help Birds, number 27 is cut hay and alfalfa as late in the breeding season as possible. A couple of the conservation biologists I asked to review the manuscript suggested taking that one out, saying it was hard enough to motivate landowners to preserve healthy grasslands at all. If they felt under siege for their mowing practices, they might start growing timber or develop the land instead. But how on earth does producing quality habitat help bird populations when all that year's baby bird production will be doomed by early mowing? For decades, the critical importance of habitat protection and restoration was the paramount concern of conservation biologists. And the more solid and widely accepted their body of work became, the harder it became for them to step back and consider additional or alternative approaches to species protection. For example, in 2006, many researchers and institutions were still insisting that such bird killers as domestic cats and glass windows harm individual birds, but not populations. When I was working in the 1980s and 90s to get my city to adopt a cat leash ordinance, National Audubon refused to provide a simple statement of support, insisting cats don't pose problems for bird populations. Meanwhile, some reviewers for major ornithological journals such as the AUK had long been blocking publication of Daniel Clem's papers about window collisions because in their professional judgment, windows were localized problems, killing small numbers of individual birds, not whole populations, and thus did not qualify as a serious conservation issue. While I was writing my book, Clem presented at a major symposium his finding that somewhere between a hundred million and a billion birds are killed at windows in the U.S. every year, and the national news media and I reported his numbers. But prominent biologists claimed that he was orders of magnitude off, and in their desire to put to rest what they judged to be an insignificant issue, set out to disprove Clem's numbers.
Ironically, their own studies confirmed the worst of Clem's estimate. Had they looked into the issue when Clem started publishing his work in the 1970s, perhaps we could have avoided using so much glass in construction in recent decades, reducing our use of fossil fuels for heating and cooling, as well as saving birds directly. Klebs' decades of solid work had been dismissed for decades, but now, in 2023, his associates at the Ornithology Center at Muhlenberg College seem to be doing the exact same thing in reverse. For months, I've been getting emails from them dismissing the work of a great many conservation biologists and organizations. One email titled, The Fallacy of Ten Good Things for Birds, makes the ridiculous claim that even if the list of good things for birds includes prevent window collisions, it delivers the false message that the other nine good things are equally effective, end quote. Another email is titled, Experts Warn That Native Plants May Create Ecological Traps, stating that no one should plant native plants in their yards or cities until every window is made bird safe. Yes, preventing window collisions is critical, but in the same way that my oncologist and cardiologist were not in competition, conservation biologists specializing on one problem have no business dismissing the problems other specialists are working on. When I wrote in my book about the importance of sighting wind turbines away from migration routes, people justifiably concerned about climate change said killing birds was a necessary cost for protecting the entire planet. This reminded me of an entirely different issue and the wonderful way it was resolved. In the early 1950s, Chandler Robbins learned that the Naval Air Station Midway on Midway Island in the Pacific, which had been decommissioned in 1950, had been recommissioned in the face of the Korean War. Planning for the first jet aircraft takeoffs and landings ever on the island, the military thought it best to banish or exterminate the island's nesting albatrosses to avoid collisions. Robbins and some of his colleagues thought if scientists could figure out what vegetation the albatrosses preferred, what substrates they avoided, and their patterns for takeoffs and landings, they could perhaps design the runway areas so the birds would avoid them. Imagine that! Different government agencies cooperated to find the wisest long-term solutions for everyone concerned. Wisdom the Laysan Albatross banded on Midway by Robbins in 1956 as part of the research that solved the situation is living testament to the fact that collaboration and cooperation make the world a better place for humans and birds alike. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.